Kat. And I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Kat and Kurt's TV Review. Welcome to episode 174, A Taste for Nuggets. This week we're discussing season 2, episode 15 of Battlestar Galactica, Scar, and season 6, episode 12 of Buffy, Double Meat Palace. As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. Okay. So, Scar. So, I was actually um, thinking earlier, and we didn't <clears throat> talk about this yet, but um, <laughs> why not go off script right away? Sure, uh, why not? No, the, uh, <clears throat> the thing that I was thinking just in my car, I think it was earlier, was that, like, these are actually both pretty memorable episodes of these shows. Sure. And not... I don't know that either of them are necessarily the best episodes. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, um, like plot-wise, they're they're both kind of basic, actually, mm -hmm. and like whatever. But like just from a like Scar, I, I I certainly like. There are a few episodes where I really remember them pretty clearly from. Mm -hmm the first time of watching them through mm -hmm. uh 33 was one mm -hmm. uh uh scar here is another um and uh i just think i feel like i don't know if it's just like more the idea of it just like this idea of a right just scarred, the premise. Yeah. you know yeah. cylon ship that has like been resurrected so many times that like i like the way that like sharon describes it as like it just gets more it gets like bitter and bitter bitterer and bitterer each time mm -hmm. like it resurrects and mm -hmm. um and then thinking of like like because we've heard was a boomer who was like described like the silent raiders as almost like animal like right mm -hmm. like they're like they have a conscience consciousness but it's it's not like to the level of you know, the walking Cylons, right? Mm -hmm. Like that, that it's like a, well, kind of like a wounded animal, like, you know, like an old, like maybe, you know, bear that has been in like a lot of fights in its life or something, right. or, you know, a wolf or a lion or something that just has, right. you know, that's scarred from all the different fights that it's had over its right. lifetime. And, you know, just that idea of, you know, it, that there's a memory beyond death kind of right. uh and and not one death even but like multiple deaths that just over time have sort of both you know improved it in a way because like now it's a good fighter it knows all the tricks and you know it yeah. knows how to trick other people and but also like sort of psychologically has like warped it or or you know given it like a different perspective than maybe all the rest. And so it, right. it brings some uniqueness, I think, to, um, you know, the, the idea of the Cylon Raider, which are mm -hmm. sort of, which is sort of meant to be a non-unique enemy, right? Like it, like right. when you think of like, the Cylons, the, the whole point is that they're like, they're just, they're just robots. They're just sort of these mass produced enemies mm -hmm. that we can shoot them out of the sky. But this is Scar. He has a name. 
at least a nickname that you know the fleet has given them i'm sure like like scar and the other silence don't think of him as scar like right right you know he's probably just whatever <coughs> his number is you know on the registry or whatever but there is a uniqueness to him and not and it, you know and it's in a different way it in a way he's even more unique than like the models the human models of Cylon that mm-hmm. we know about at least to this point mm-hmm. like because those all have copies right and like Sharon has boomers memories and yes there's like a distinction between boomer and Sharon that mm-hmm. we make but at the same time they're still kind of the same person like they're still mm-hmm. you know that element of like Sharon remembers boomer like even in this episode we get like her right. saying I remember and and so we we do sort of have to remember like she's kind of like boomer plus but like she's still boomer you know right. in right. a way um but scar is like completely unique because like he's had so many experiences in you know his fighting and resurrection and fighting and more resurrection and more fighting and all of that right. and um and he's given this unique name so i don't i know you haven't watched star wars the clone wars Mm-mm. um but one of the that's one of the things that comes up throughout the the seasons of that show is that you have all these clones who are all genetically, you know, exactly alike, Mm -hmm. but like they start to take on their own personalities and they, you know, they take on their own names and, uh, you know, start kind of doing like things like, you know, tattoos or wearing their hair a certain way or whatever, you know, that kind of gives them, you know, their own distinct, unique personalities. And, and I feel like that we get a taste of that type of thing here mm-hmm. with Scar. Right. Um, you know, the character in, right. you know, the episode Scar. And and so sort of, um, because I said both of these are memorable episodes, <coughs> you know, Double Meat Palace is just, it, it's <clears> one of <throat> say, like, I actually think I described it to you as like, it's kind of funny, but like mm-hmm. in watching it, I think I overstated it because <laughs> like for a Jane Espenson episode, it's actually not that funny mm-hmm. of an episode, but I do feel like more for the visuals of it and mm-hmm. the, and you know, and the just seeing Buffy in that sort of mindless, whatever job, right. like there's definitely a memorable right. aspect to it. Um, it like, right. you can't... And the visual of the uniform and yeah. 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 <clears throat> Yeah, you no, it's like it, a very strong premise that right. like whether or not these episodes go on to be the best or it the strength of the premise covers like a multitude of sins I think. Like like they yeah. might have various issues or weaknesses in them, but it's like yeah, this is always going to be one of the ones that stands out just because the right. idea of it is so strong. Like if if you say to someone <laughs> who's, you know, maybe only watched Buffy through once, which who is that person? But like, if you, if you say, you know, to them, like, I feel like if you just said, oh yeah, the double meat palace episode, like, right. like it's not one of those, like, right. Oh, is that the one where, you know, right. such and right. Oh no, no. Maybe it was this other, like you would be like, Oh yeah. Like totally remember right. it. Right. Um, you know, right off the bat, maybe not every little thing, but like you definitely right. would remember the overall premise and, Whatever. Even though I, you know, I do feel like it's a pretty basic episode. I mean, there's mm-hmm. some important stuff that happens in it. Mm-hmm. Um, not even necessarily just 
to Buffy, but like, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, it just like, sort of occurred to me that these are both of the shows that we're watching. Like, I feel like these are both pretty memorable episodes. Mm-hmm. So, well, and the other connection we made, um, <clears throat> which I don't think would have been apparent before we watched them, but I think mm-hmm. in reviewing them and going through the titles was the way they both, since we're talking about both shows at the moment, I wanted yeah. to bring up the fact that yep. they both end up being about the workplace in a way and yeah. in their, in their own way about the, uh, the, the frustrations of the workplace and the drudgery and the depression. And even they both end up being dangerous. Like, you know, Buffy's not intentional. It's not supposed to get you killed, but like, it ends up because it's Buffy. It ends up being a place of peril. Yeah. Um, and the peril becomes, you know, getting ground into the meat becomes like a reflection of the way you're sort of ground into, you know, right. the job and everything. And, but like, and, and the and, product, you know, they talk about like, uh, you know, variety being the spice of bad, you know, like, the, you know, right. the, the, it, it's, it's a good thing that everyone sort of conforms to the same shape and is cooked to the same same temperature. Right, right, right. And so, and here, I mean, obviously the Viper pilots have a much more intense, you know, uh, dangerous job that they do. (laughs) Or do they? (laughs) Well, or in in theory, they're supposed to have a more dangerous job. Right. But, um, But it's still a job. It's still, you know... It's still what they do. And you get yeah. the same sense from the Lee and Starbuck conversations of just the hopelessness of, well, I guess I'll be doing this for the rest of my life, which might not be that long. Um, right. You know, and the kind of the, they're both in their way dead ends, you know, like there's no, there's no promotion or escape out of that. It's just, this is what we're going to do until we die. Um, and the jobs are literally going to kill us in the end. Yeah. yeah. So, well, um, and there's also, and, and just even just the, the turnover joke in both yeah. of them, you know, the fact that both of them are high turnover, right. they don't last long. And so you're constantly churning out new, you know, employees, for one of a better word, because you can't retain the old ones. Yeah. Well, yes, but also <laughs> that there's the concept of lifers too, right? Like, right. Sure. So you get, you get, if you're Starbuck, good enough, you get to stay there forever, which is like, right. which is worse. Right. And you see like the toll and it's, you know, it is kind of funny, but like on the same token, like the goal in both cases actually, <laughs> is kind of not to be there forever, right? Like, like you get the, I mean, the way that, that, uh, W palace ends is kind of funny. Cause it's like Buffy, it's like, yeah. Oh yes, I just got this job back that I really hate and don't want. Like, right. right. But at the same time, you know, that she needs and whatever. And like, you know, the same thing with Battlestar Galactica is like, ideally the Viper pilots would put themselves out of a job. Right. By killing all of the Cylons or, you know, you know, getting to a place where they didn't need to kill Cylons anymore, you know, one way or the other. Right. The ideal is to not have that job. And yet to do that, they kind of have to become 
good at it so that it's to the point where like it's all they know how to do and like right. they aspire to be there forever. <laughs> so it it is there is sort of like a almost like existential anxiety anxiety and irony to it all. Right. Um in both right. cases. Uh it, you know for I think different reasons but mm-hmm. kind of works out to be very similar in a way. Right. Which- um it just, the way you said that made me think like, okay, so this episode focuses on the Viper pilots, but in a way, like so many of the episodes in this section of the show are about like the fleet being, they keep talking about everyone getting burned out and like the Mm. fleet starting to turn on itself and eat itself because it's just so strung out. And like, like, yeah, we're focusing on Starbuck and the pilots, but you kind of realize that they're, like, just a small part of this right. feeling, which is true for the whole fleet. Like, um, uh, when you said, like, they don't know how to do anything else, it made me think of in, um, what was it, Final Cut, where they're, like, doing all the interviews. And mm-hmm. um, that was what Gaeta said in his interview was, like, like, I realized, like, I don't know what else to... I don't know how, how to do anything else. Like, I had this idea right. that I would do this for a while, and then I would go on. But right. now that I'm stuck here, I realize, like, I wouldn't even know what else to go on to. Like, this is sure. literally all I've trained for. And I feel like, you know, and they're focusing on... Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, especially considering <laughs> that he was like going to go into science. Like he was a, a physicist right. or something or wanted right. to become a physicist. Like, right. but like now, I mean, not that he doesn't use science and, you know, computer science or whatever, like in his right. day job. Cause like we've seen that he does, but, um, in his day job, I said in his, you know, military career, but mm-hmm. like, yeah, that, that aspect of like, yeah, like you said, like this is all he knows how to do. And at some point he was, definitely going to be doing something different and um md who was right didn't she say like she only wanted to like pay for dental school or whatever oh that was uh callie oh callie you're right you're right but yeah but yeah you're right like we have and that's my point is that okay we're focusing on the pilots in this particular episode but we're getting at a feeling which is like very widespread throughout all of them which is they're all kind of stuck in these roles that they weren't necessarily intending to stay in like for the rest of their lives but now that this this tragedy happened they can't do anything else and wouldn't know how to do anything else if they wanted to like what else would they do with themselves if they had the option so um you know yeah like so you're either one of the ones who gets you know eaten up by the system and killed um like a BB or a Jojo or the alternative, which is not quite better is you become so good at the job that you do it for the rest, like you do it for life. Um, you know, and you become a lifer who just does this for, you know, the foreseeable future because there's no other escape. Right. Um, which is kind of the transition that we see cat making in this episode mm. from, from nugget right. to lifer. Right. right. Sure. And, uh, and what's, what's the other, so, cause we've seen that, like we've seen a full iteration of nuggets now, right? Like we've seen 
when she and um, right, she and Hot Dog and Hot some Dog. Of the thank others. you. Like yeah. I was trying to yeah. think of his name. Like I'm, I'm like I was like. Uh, I, I was. I almost said Adama's son. I'm like, no, no. I mean, like, oh, Edward James, almost his son. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, but the other uh, almost. Yeah. 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 Uh, hot dog. Right. 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 They're now the the experts. She's doing. She's teaching, and doing yeah. like debriefings and mentoring and, and yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Right, and so, and but not only that, but she's like you. You get that like part of the reason why they came in as Nuggets is because some of the somewhat more experienced Viper pilots had been killed off, mm-hmm. and you know, but not like Starbuck and Lee, who are the top. Like they're the cream of the crop of the old class, mm-hmm. and now. Hot Dog and Cat are the cream of the crop of, of the newer class, <coughs> but their newer class right. has dwindled. And so now you have people like BB and Jojo or right. well, you know, so, uh, who Riley and, um, Bino are the ones who are killed right. to make room for BB and Jojo. Right. 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 And, and so, you know, you have like this new class of nuggets, you know, this whole new iteration right. coming in. And so so it's not even just that like you know, the the former nuggets have like gotten more experience, some of them have been killed off. But now you also have like like they're the ones taking over those top spots. Mm-hmm. Especially with Cat, mm-hmm. you know, taking over the top gun stein from right. you know, right. Starbuck. Right. Of course, there's the irony. Like, okay, so like, I feel like we're jumping around, but like, there's yeah. the irony of the fact that like, Starbuck at least feels like she could have killed Scar on her own, mm-hmm. but kind of handed it to Cat by right. calling her in and and sort of choosing. I don't know if it's really the higher path, but like the smarter mm-hmm. path anyway of, you know, allowing um, her wingman wingman right. to come in and. Well, you know. and that's where Kat, we see her progress, like, like you said, like from Nugget to Lifer, but <clears throat> now she's kind of where Starbuck used to be and Starbuck is progressing to whatever it is that's beyond that. Because like, I think even right. Hilo says like, she's basically you like a year ago. Um, sure. And so, but you see like to Kat, like the winning matters the being the top gun and being the best matters and not that it doesn't matter to starbuck obviously it does um like starbuck will always be competitive because that's who she is but she progresses to a point where being the one to kill scar isn't as important as killing scar effectively and safely right Right. And and Scar she being can, dead is more important than who kills than, him. Than me doing it. And right. and having something to stay alive for, not just throw yourself in as recklessly as possible, but actually going about it in a more thoughtful kind of way, because for all the depression in the episode, it ends with some hope of maybe Anders is alive and maybe I can get back to him and I can't get back to him if I like play chicken with Scar. Um, so like she kind of, mm. 
you know, ascends to like yet a higher level of like, yeah, I'm an experienced lifer, but like, I don't have to prove that to everybody or not constantly, you know, like right. she right. can actually have a more kind of big picture Zen kind of view of everything. So now that we've talked about all that for 20 minutes, um, I want to go back and like actually follow our notes a little bit here. Okay. So um, I do want to talk a little bit about the structure of Scar, the episode. Um, I didn't mean like the structural design of Scar, the Cylon Raider, but the structure of the episode Scar. Mm-hmm. Um, let's... So we... Talked a little bit about, like, like I feel like this has come up. I, I say more and more. I can only think of one actual example in the, the last several episodes. But, like, the whole, like, starting in Medius Res and, like, going back. So we had that with Lee, right, mm-hmm. in the previous episode where it's like, oh, here he is confronting, you know, Mr. Big Bad Kingpin guy. Uh, right. Now let's go back and go over the last, whatever, three days or whatever it was, you know, to see, like, where, how he got to that point. Um, and that's not, you know, it is what it, like, obviously there are many different TV shows that have done that, movies that have done that sort of thing. So, like, I feel like that's not too uncommon. Um, this is similar. So we get, like, you know, Starbuck and Cat out looking for Scar, you know, kind of, you know, going around <laughs> through the asteroid field. And then we get the cut back of, you know, however many days earlier or hours earlier or whatever it is. But then we get, we, it keeps going back and forth. Mm. Um, and again, like, I think we've had examples of that. Like you brought up the one where, um, Starbuck crashes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I think we get some back and forth there. Yeah. Uh, you know, but, with. But even there, it's like little snippets. It's like you get it another 10 seconds of it or something. Right, right. Um, you know, whereas I feel like here you get both it's, actual scenes. Cut yeah, like, in, like a little more storyline to right. what's going on. And so. I feel like the way they do it in this episode is a little bit, I don't know, it's it's not quite as clean, I guess, or it's, mm-hmm. it's a little bit more confusing in some cases, especially mm-hmm. because not only do you have, like, Cat and Starbuck out, you know, sort of in the, in the, I don't even know how mm-hmm. to, like, refer to it, in the, uh, you know, search for Scar or whatever, but then you have, like, other scenes where you have, like, other pilots out there. So it's not always, it's not always clear right away, like, yeah, when, you know, when is it, like, current, when is it past, you know, like, what what's, what's the time frame that we're actually looking at all the time here? So I did find that a little bit confusing at times. Um, and I just, I don't know, I, I feel like, Especially coming off last week where we had that same, not, you know, not, not as complex, but maybe, you know, we still had that same sort of idea of, 
Yeah. Here, you know, here's the tense, tense moment. Now let's go back and review. Uh, See you know, how, we how we here. got here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I, again, you know, certainly not the only show to do that. Um, but maybe like a little bit overused now mm. at this point, like would mm-hmm. hope that we don't have like, like, I don't remember if and when we get that again, but like, hopefully it's not for a little while. <clears throat> yeah. I don't really remember either. Um, yeah, I mean, I want to talk about this more, I think, when we do our kind of season recaps. I don't want to overstate it at this point. But for me, this kind of section, this second half of season two, is <coughs> maybe the the weakest part of the series for me. Um, okay. And I think for a few different reasons, but one of them is maybe that it gets a little bit, like, samey. You know, it's like a lot of stuff of okay, we just did an episode that was structured this way, so now we're just doing it with Starbuck mm-hmm. instead of Lee. Um, uh, so, I mean, that might be one of the factors that I think I kind of agree with you that, like, uh, it would be nice to kind of mix up, you know, yeah. the, the just try different things, you know, making the episodes more kind of distinct from each other. Although I do think that this is maybe one of the best if not the best of that bunch um sure and, and so and, and, and so i don't I mean to apply that you, like no the stuff you said earlier is i think part of why it is one of the better ones but then there are these other things that kind of make yeah. it not quite as strong as it could be and i think like the fact that the structure okay it's repetitive and it is confusing like it's hard to just watch it you really do have to watch it a couple times to even really know like what's going on Mm-hmm. Um, just to yeah. get a sense of like the timeline, um, right. is not right. cl- very clear at all. Right. Um, yeah. And like, I've seen it before through. and I still like had tr- right. <laughs> trouble with, right. with it this time around. So like, and I right. seen it, I, I had seen it before. And like I said, I remember the episode, like I remember Scar and like right. what he was and kind of the threat there. So I didn't remember all the details of like the cat and, and Starbuck right. stuff, but you know, I mean, there was, you know, it, it, I wasn't like coming into this one as forgetful as I've come into some of the other episodes, mm-hmm. um, you know, of the series. So, you know, even with that, like, it still felt kind of difficult to follow at, at points. Right. So, that said... Um, the situation, like I don't need, I don't know that we need to spend a ton of time on it, but um, apparently they're, uh, <coughs> excuse me, you know, they they found this asteroid field that has some minerals that they can use, and so they have like their mining ship down, and it's been what was it, something like twenty nine days or something, I think it said that, yeah, something they had been like there. a long time, um, and then like in the course of. Well, again, so I'm not entirely sure of the timeline. So was that 29 days from the last day when Starbuck and Cat kill Scar? Or is it earlier? So, like, are they there 29 days total? But then somewhere along the way, Rosalind says, like, oh, we need another eight days. So is that does that bring them to 29 days? Or does that, yeah. are they, like, going beyond that 29 days? And if so, how many days? Because, like, it, it might not be the full eight days beyond the 29. So I don't know. So about a month. We'll say, we'll say they're right. there about a month. Okay. <laughs> um, That's when you do shrug emoji like that. Like, I don't know. Right. <laughs> I just right. don't know. 
Um, that's my that's my oral uh, <laughs> rendition of a shrug emoji. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Like we get that they're there about a month, and um, they're mining. They're doing a lot of mining. Very very. They need a lot of stuff. Like we don't really know what they're mining, do we? Like we never. Well, they're never. It- they do say it's it's whatever the metal it's some sort of metal that allows them to make more vipers basically. So, right, because so they are losing vipers, but then they're mining the metal so to create new ones. Apparently, because um, we've had this resource shortage, so that's why it's so important. Apparently, um, <clears throat> Pegasus has like a a factory built into it, right? Right. Yeah, it sounds like it. Um, and so, which which is like that must be like. Upgrade right, like Galactica doesn't have one of those. So I don't like, think this, so. this yeah. is like yeah. Pegasus can be like, like you don't need. It's a, <laughs> is it is Pegasus a bigger ship, actually, or is it? I don't know. Like I know, I know that they said at one point that you needed fewer people to run it. Like it has a smaller crew, so like maybe the combination of a smaller crew and maybe it's a little bit bigger, or maybe just mm-hmm. more compact, like. Like, the stuff that's in it doesn't need as much room, and so they have room to actually have a Viper factory in the ship uh, mm-hmm. somehow. <clears throat> um, so, like, all that stuff that Tyrrell does, like, the Pegasus can just do on its own. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't need, you know, all the stuff that, that Tyrrell does. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so, right. So they're they're getting these minerals and, you know, uh, metals and whatnot. Uh, in order to do that. Um, <coughs> and presumably to replenish other stuff too. Like like we've talked about how like glass doors get blown out, you know, or glass windows get blown out of the doors. Like in uh, mm-hmm. uh, the episode where like, um, I remember there, like at the shooting or right, like shoot the, 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 the air, yeah, yeah. the air like gets all funky. So, um, you know, like stuff like that, like maybe they're, you know, maybe they're able to, if they have the right resources, they're able to repair that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, yeah, so that's, that's, I mean, that's basically a situation. And of course now, Mm -hmm. so they're in this asteroid field. So like, seems like the good news is that like a base star can't get them right because it's too big right. it would probably get hit by all the asteroids but like you know the cylon raiders can sort of sneak about and attack right. them and whatever and so they have to have the vipers right uh you know there to help out with things right um, and and like they said like it messes up the dreidas so like galactica can't right. really help them so they have to get out so it basically becomes this like little guerrilla war like all, all the different fighters going in and out amongst the asteroids. Right. It, it's a line of sight game where you, you have to really <coughs> Excuse me, be able sorry. to see the person in order to, or, or the ship, I guess, in order to take care right. of it. Um, which, on the one hand, like, sounds terrible, but on the other hand, it's like, it's also the kind of thing that you feel like Viper pilots as Viper pilots sort of live for, right? Right, sure. Like, it's 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 me and you, like... And and you know, the inky black. You know, like mm-hmm. like where the where the it, it, you know, it's sort of the the sci-fi equivalent mm-hmm. of you know the gunslinger showdown in 
you know, the middle right. of town kind of thing. Right. Um, so, yeah. Right. Although, that, uh, although that brings up Starbucks' point about it's not, it's not dueling pistols at dawn. It's not like sure. you, you stand over there and I stand over here and then on the count of ten we shoot at each other. It's like you're in a place where you're hiding and hi, you know, jumping out and trying to like ambush and, you know, it's like a much dirtier kind of fight than, yeah, yeah. than that. No, you're right. And so like, yeah, you're probably closer to it with the guerrilla warfare aspect then. like, it's, you know, it is more of a hiding and striking when you can and um, doing all that stuff. And we also see that like the normal tactics don't work. And some of that's because of who they're against scar, right? Cause he knows all the tactics. He right. knows all the normal stuff. So like, that's how, is it BB? You know, that's how he, mm-hmm. you know, gets killed is, you know, cause Starbucks like, Oh, you know, if you're attacked, <coughs> turn into it. And it turns out that just this once, this this is like the one situation of like all possible situations in which you shouldn't do that. Right. And it just happens to be there. And it's like, again, just to show you that it's this isn't the normal thing. And like, I mean, did Scar know that like he had lost his fuel or wasn't able to, you know, do whatever? Right. And like, so, so was it, was it tactical on Scar's part that like he did this thing banking on the fact that he would, that BB would, you know, do the thing that 99% of the time you're supposed to do, mm-hmm. or was it just incidental? And because of the nature of it just being a weird place and time and whatever to fight that, you know, BB just tried to play the odds and, it didn't work out in his favor. <laughs> right. Um, right. And you don't really know, but you kind of suspect that like <coughs> Scar being as smart and, you know, experienced as he is, or it is like, right. Was able to, you know, sort of play on those odds or whatever. Right. Um, right. Well, and you get to that. He's died and been reborn all these times. But also they mention again that without the resurrection ship, if they get him, they really get him this time. So right. you kind of get too that, you know, it's not just like, well, he can be reckless um, and, well, he's just going to come back anyway. But like he actually is motivated to be as smart as he can with his tactics because this one is actually like the one that matters. Yes. Like, (laughs) like I, I agree with you in one sense, but on the other sense, it's if, if scar is not, if scar only has sort of like the equivalent of like animal intelligence, does he know that? Like, like I want, I wonder, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, I don't think we get, like we get Sharon's description, but she's also, you know, a different type of Cylon than the Raider right. is. And right. and again, you know, going back to Boomer, you know, has sort of described, you know, the Raiders as kind of animal like. Um so it's not clear whether Scar knows that like the resurrection ship is gone. Right. Um and that this is his last time or not. Um 
I guess it doesn't matter. Like the effect is the same. <laughs> um, I, you know, and I think either way, like the fact that he is able to last so long is because of all the previous resurrections. Like you said, like he definitely has the experience and, and the knowledge, you know, sort of racked up and, and the right. hatred and the um, whatever. And, you know, he is part machine. So, or, you know, he is machine, I guess, but mm-hmm. like, no, you know, is running calculations and probabilities and all these right. things and has figured out, like, if I come at this angle with the sun behind me, then they can't see me and, you know, stuff like right. that, you know, to, to be able to better, let you know, to last longer, regardless of whether, you know, he needs to or not. Right. Um Yeah, and I like um, Sharon's point about um, contrasting that with the Nuggets and how when they die, all of their experience just sort of goes with them and how, you know, they can't really resurrect their people, you know? And so up until the destruction of this resurrection ship, that was the big advantage that the Cylons had is that, you know, they could just come back and keep all of their knowledge and their experience with them. And not right. have to sort of start over from scratch every time. Yep. Yep. And and Sharon <coughs> says that in a way of like, like isn't that? Wouldn't that be great if you could yeah. do that too? Like, like it's not right. even like, isn't oh, this is cool? just the way yeah. it is. Yeah. But like, it's it's more like, yeah, like why wouldn't you do that if you could? Because mm-hmm. then then you don't die. Or or you do die, but like she says, death becomes a learning experience. It's not something to be feared necessarily. Like it might still be painful and mm-hmm. traumatizing, but it's not permanent. And mm-hmm. so in that sense, it's not something necessarily to be afraid of. Right. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, we've definitely jumped around a bit. Um what we haven't really talked about yet is the Starbuck and cat mm-hmm. sort of thing going on here. So sort of in the midst of all this, you have scar sort of <coughs> freaking everyone out. And he's not the only Cylon Raider out there. Like there are other Raiders. So it's not like, it's not like they have just him to hunt down. Like they're out there, right? you know, dealing with other Raiders. Although, you know, if, if Scar does know that, like, that the resurrection ship is gone, it is somewhat callous of him to, like, have the other raiders be basically bait for him to pick off. Right. Uh, whatever. But, like, maybe that's just the way it is. Like, you know, maybe he does know and he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll send I'll send my buddy, you know, mm-hmm. uh, out to to be the bait. And, <clears throat> eh. If he doesn't resurrect, so what? You know, whatever. Right. Stupid Cylon anyway. Um, right. I mean, you definitely get that for, to whatever extent he has, like, consciousness and personality, he's not nice. You know, like, no. he is like a mean, um, you know what it kind of was making me think of was like, like how, like, pit bulls have like a bad reputation and it's like, well, they're mm. really, you know, Yes, some of them are mean because they're mistreated. Like, but 
the two who like become like wrapped up in each other and how like you know the meanness is because of the trauma they've been through and Mm -hmm. the more they're traumatized the angrier they get and that sort of you know I think Scar is kind of operating on that level of just he's not like and he doesn't play nice even with his own kind probably right right and He's, he seems to be something of the leader too, right? Like he's the one right. directing. So it seems he's the one, I, you know, again, we don't like know their communications between each other, but the fact that like there seem to be these Cylons that are used as decoys, and, you know, so that he can hide and then come take care of, you know, the Viper pilots. That mm-hmm. seems to be implying that, you know, he's, he's the one kind of in charge and, you know, the one sort of ordering where the other Cylon Raiders go. Mm -hmm. Um, And thus effectively ordering their deaths (laughs) as well in many cases. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. Anyway, Starbuck and Cat, how do we get off of them? Starbuck and Cat. So, yeah, the... There's a, a lot of anima. So we've seen previously, like, um, you know, again, it was in the documentary episode, right, where you have Cat uh, sort of being revealed as a stim junkie. But, like, before that, you know, she's getting, you know, more and more kind of ridiculous and vocal. And you have, like, Starbuck yelling at her and saying how annoyed she is with so you get the sense that like this is continued to build mm-hmm. you know over time that like there's not really much love lost between mm-hmm. the two of them um at the same time it seems like cat is clean now mm-hmm. and so uh so you have um you know her sort of looking at starbuck with contempt for not being clean in a way. Mm -hmm. Like there's that sense of like, you know, Hey, I, I may have been a stim junkie once, but you're still a drunk now. Like, right. You you know, that sense of like, there's not, uh, not, I don't know. Like, so there's, um, there's actually a, uh, There's a story written by uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald um, called uh, uh, Benediction. Mm-hmm. And uh, in that story, it's, it's, about, um, it's about a girl who goes to visit her brother who, who has like become a monk, basically. It's kind of a weird little story. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the uh, one of the quotes here that has always been my favorite quotes that he, uh, I think it's the brother who says this, although I'm not a hundred percent sure, um, is uh, reformed libertines are a notoriously intolerant class, and like I feel like that describes Cat, like in right. this episode, like she is a former stem junkie, um, who is now notoriously intolerant of. Right. Starbucks, you know, drunkenness. Um, right, right. And so, uh, yeah, you get you get sort of the snide, com- starting with sort of like the snide comments and stuff. Um, 
you know, about her drinking and, uh, you know, what does she say? Like, you know, one tie on the, is, on the ship is good enough or, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. And so, blow, um, blow. yeah, I mean, like, especially for Starbuck, who, especially for Starbuck, who like hates Ty with basically a passion. Right. Um, right. On the other hand, like cat's kind of right. <laughs> like, and, and when I say kind of, I mean like a lot. <laughs> well, especially because Ty's drinking is one of the things that Starbuck hates. So, you know, there's a lot of, yeah. you know, I think, you know, a fair amount of, uh, you know, hypocrisy between all of them. You know, like Starbuck's view of Ty, but then the, each Starbuck and Cat, their intolerance of the other one, mm-hmm. you know, both of them you know, you would think would be a little bit more sort of sympathetic than that. But each of them is sort of a bit exasperated by the other one. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And and so, yeah, in, in a way you get, what you see is the same sort of contempt that St- Starbuck has for Ty. Um, you see Cat, you know, sort of, experiencing mm-hmm. that same level of contempt for Starbuck. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you get Starbuck drunkenly just like falling over, you know, while making an ass of herself. So it's right. like hard to, hard to disagree with Kat in that, but then it, it goes further than that. Right. So, um, jumping ahead, you, you get to the point where you have, you know, Starbuck, like, after BB dies, uh, you know, she and Lee get like really drunk. And so the next morning or, you know, whatever the next time period on the ship, when she's supposed to go out, (coughs) she sends out Jojo in her place because she's not fit to go out because of the drinking Mm -hmm. and Jojo dies, you know, doing the, control that she was supposed to do mm-hmm. so and this is cat's problem right is like well why and so you also get cat acting like starbuck in certain ways like mm-hmm. correcting star you know cat correct starbuck right. in the middle of like the briefing and right right just like turns starbuck out does with right. her superior yeah. officers yeah, yeah just like starbuck has done any number of times right <clears throat> Um, right. But of course, when it's done to her, it's not nearly as appreciated as, you well, know. Well, <laughs> and it's like you kind of get the impression that for all of her criticisms, there's an aspect of Kat where it's like imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. You know, mm-hmm. like there's a... there's Sure. She's, she is critical of Starbuck, but she also is acting an awful lot like her in a bunch of different ways. So it's and, sort right. of... <laughs> And has a lot of the same complaints about Starbuck as Starbuck has about other people. Right. And they're legitimate in, in right. both cases. Like, like right. Starbuck's complaints are just as legitimate as Kat's complaints. And, and you know, that's not to say that, um, yeah, like, I don't know. I, so basically, yeah, you have, you, you do have Kat sort of acting a lot like Starbuck, even <clears> before <throat> sort of the obvious you know, stuff of like becoming the top gun, you mm-hmm. know, in the fleet or whatever. But, 
Um, yeah, and her sort of continue, you know, continued willingness to sort of push the envelope, um, even to the point where she punches Starbuck. Mm-hmm. Um, which, hey, you know, again, we've seen Starbuck punch a few people here and there. Yeah, that's like, like the first thing we see her do. <laughs> yeah. Is punch Ty. Right. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so Smacking anyway, so a like, superior asshole, right? Isn't that what right, you called it? Right. <laughs> That's, that's right. like that's all Cat's doing, you know. Um, yeah, and it's it's just as valid now as it was with Starbuck <coughs> and Ty. Um, not to say that Cat's going about it the best of ways. And and so what I think is interesting is that <clears throat> it's it's not just um, and I mean BSG rarely does the straight you know good and bad thing. So like. Right. Not that we necessarily expect it, but... Right, um, no, it's back to the maxim of everyone's wrong and everyone's right, you know. Right. Uh, you know, but we get we get that thing of Starbucks sort of, like, realization about what's going on with Kat, right? Is that it's <laughs> not all just... Uh, it's not that, like, Kat's being insightful and you know, uh, sort of teaching Starbuck a lesson or anything. You know, the realization is when Starbuck gets up and says, like, in Cat's face, <coughs> you're afraid most of the time. You're afraid mm-hmm. you're going to end up like that picture of Riley's girlfriend, some little forgotten picture that nobody really remembers. Uh, you know, that's why you're riding my ass so hard, is it so no one will notice that Scar scares the living crap out of you. Um, and then that's when Cat punches her. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, there is some truth to that too, where, you know, it's not, it's not that Cat's just being like this person mm-hmm. who necessarily has a moral high ground. Like everything mm-hmm. that she's doing is coming from a place of fear because you get the, you get the sense that Starbucks completely right about that. Like it, right. it's not just like Starbucks saying that to like, right get her grill or whatever. Like there's, there's definitely uh, a sense in which Starbuck actually is being incisive here and seeing precisely what it is mm-hmm. that's going on with Kat, which begs the question because is that true for Starbuck, right? If Kat's been doing all this stuff sort of in, <coughs> you know, uh, uh, parallel to what Starbuck has done in the past, mm-hmm. then yeah, like, like, does Starbuck know this because she also feels this way <laughs> or has right. felt this way or whatever? Like, right. Yeah. So, um, right. Yeah. So, so it all comes down, you know, their, their sort of bickering and fighting and whatever it comes down to, uh, the fact that then they get sent out together uh, on patrol mm-hmm. and while they're out uh, they find one Cylon who they initially or at least Kat initially thinks is Scar uh, turns out not to be and then when Starbuck stops to look around Scar comes at her from you know above and mm-hmm. you know in, you know with the sort of backlight of a mm-hmm. nearby star or whatever and 
um, that's where that sort of whole fight ensues. And then mm-hmm. we see, you know, it mostly in flashbacks and stuff earlier in the episode. So you got to kind of piece it together. But um, I don't know that the fight itself is like that big of a deal. Like, you know, Starbuck gets mm-hmm. shot and then they kind of like are weaving in and out of asteroids. And eventually, yeah. you know, the, the, the probably the biggest and most important part is that Starbuck eventually calls on Kat to help her out. And so Kat yeah. ends up being the one to get the kill. Um, and whether or not it's true, Starbuck at least thinks that she could have killed Scar on her own, but Hilo sort of assuages <laughs> her and says, <coughs> you know, what you did was the right thing. You called in your wing wingman and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so that she could take care of the threat and, that's what happened. So, in the end, you do get Starbuck pouring a drink for Cat mm-hmm. in the big Top Gun Stein. Right. Uh, so we kind of skipped over. So we mentioned Lee and Starbuck getting drunk. We skipped over the conversation that they have, though, about not really remembering <clears throat> the names. You know, Lee says after about two weeks... I forget their faces. And then mm-hmm. Starbuck's like, well, I don't even remember their names. Mm-hmm. Well, the irony of this mm-hmm. is that after Starbuck uh, pours Kat's strength, of course, she raises a toast and proceeds right. then to recite like 20 names or right. 20, you know, call sign. Well, I don't know how many is. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, like 13 or 14. <coughs> right. uh, you know, call signs of people. Right. You know who have who have died at this point, right. um, and right. and clearly, like it's not just like she didn't just suddenly mm-hmm. remember all these, right? Like the idea is that she must have known them. Like she was lying before when right. she said she didn't remember them. Well, I, I like that. There's like a twofold aspect to it that I like, which is like, yeah, it shows that she does remember them better than she said. You know, mm-hmm. so she must have been sort of, you know lying or you know to a certain extent before but then also the fact that she does eventually trail off so that you do still get the impression that there are many more you know and so okay right. she doesn't like she, she does right like maybe she didn't remember all of them but she right. certainly remembered a lot more right. than way more than she indicated she had but you still get the sense of how many nameless pilots have given their lives yeah. and we can't at, at, after however many weeks ago or whatever, they do start to sort of fade. And then like, she kind of gets upset because I can't think of any more. And that's when Lee steps in and kind of says to all of them, like whether or not we, (laughs) we know their names or not, you know, we're sort of toasting all of them. So it kind of does two things there, which I, which I like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, as well as cat cat's obsession with, the girlfriend that like, you know, at least, at least we remember and think of as heroes to a certain extent, the pilots who've put their lives on the line, but how many more millions or billions of people were killed with no memory of them whatsoever, you know, like, so we're kind of toasting the brave pilots, but also like there was Riley's girlfriend who we don't even know really what her first name was at all. Um, and Kat sort of 
making a point to put her picture, you know, on the board that yeah. even if we don't remember her name, somebody knew that you existed and, you know, tries to keep the memory going. Yep. Um, yeah. And, and should also mention in there that there's that little, <laughs> there is a little bit like, you know, when Starbuck pours uh, the drink for a cat, she says mm. you earned it. Mm. Which is true, but mm-hmm. also kind of not true because like Starbuck called right. her in and right. set her She's up. She's being pretty generous, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but there is a sort of a nod of respect too from Cat too. So mm. it's not. It doesn't end on a wholly contentious note. Like, right. yes, the way Starbuck pours the drink is a little begrudging, maybe, but mm-hmm. <laughs> there is that at least acknowledgement and and passing willfully the torch mm-hmm. or, you know, the mug, mm-hmm. you know, to, to the next person in line. So, right. um, so yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, <coughs> it's pretty much, you know, we've talked before about how like these episodes tend to be, you know, one versus another. And this is clearly a Starbuck versus cat or mm-hmm. cat versus Starbuck, however you want to look at it, episode mm-hmm. um, with sort of a, a dash of Scar versus everyone thrown mm-hmm. in there. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like I don't like all the other people that kind of appear. And I think we've hit on all or at least yeah. most of them, if not all of them. Um, right. You know, you do get like the one scene with like Roslyn and Adama sort of explicating that like, oh, we we need to be here eight more days and blah, blah, blah. But there's nothing like real substantive. Right. Um, right. There, there's really not much substantive that uh, in this episode really that doesn't affect Starbuck or Cat, like sort of directly no. in one way or another. So I think... Uh, I think yeah. overall it's fairly straightforward. It's <laughs> it's pretty much just their their conflict together and then how it sort of plays out. Right, right. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean you do get it you know, I think there are some but it, it really all is very Starbucks centric. Kind of like the last episode was pretty much all Lee centered. Um mm. but like, you know, so you get with Lee too, you get the kind of false start of the Lee Starbuck relationship you know of like yeah yeah you know they kind of are heading towards the bunks and you know about 30 seconds later it's done you know because they're arguing and you know um you know so you're kind of getting their frustration there and um i like the i like the little moments with hilo and starbuck like i like that they establish this little friendship that they have which is like you know, like, you had the impression that they were friends from way back, like, before the show started. So the fact that they continue that, like, once he gets back, um, you know, and that, like, they kind of goof around and work out together and give each other advice and that sort of thing. Like, I like that it just sort of checks in with that. Um, mm. But but um, it doesn't go anywhere other than to just comment on, like, the Starbuck plot really sure excuse me um the Uh, only other thing i noticed which i wanted to bring up which i don't know that i really have anywhere to go with it um other than i noticed it this time after watching it again um 
was that, you know, in an episode called Scar, you know, where you have this hardened Raider Top Gun, um, in those scenes with Hilo when, you know, Starbuck is, you know, in her kind of gym clothes working out, the scar on her stomach was very obvious to me this time, you know, from her... Sure. From her uh, adventures in the Cylon hospital. Um, yeah. So it just... It never struck me before, but that's the only other episode I've noticed it since then. Um, that you suddenly have shots of her where she has this big scar in the middle of her stomach. So it was like, huh, yeah. you know, it's a nice little detail, you know, that she also is kind of scarred and hardened and getting more and more bitter as time wears on. And yeah, you know. no, oh yeah, no, and I. I mean, there's definitely some parallels there between <laughs> Starbuck and Scar, too. I mean, so, yeah. I think yeah. that's fitting. Interesting. I I hadn't noticed that, but I definitely know the scene that you're talking about, so. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, wow. and I mean, I've seen it before, and it really wasn't until now, so it certainly took me a while to pick up on it, but... It is there, and I think they kind of go out of their way to make sure that it gets seen, even though they don't really draw attention to it. Sure. Um, cool. All right. So, anything well, else? I think I think we're good on that one. Um, okay. Do you want to go ahead and talk about uh, Buffy? Let's talk about Double Meat Palace. A memorable name, too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, that is a very... Jane Espenson name. <clears throat> so, yeah. So we wanted to start really quick um, just to check in with the, the geek trio because we don't see them, but we do hear reference to them that um, mm-hmm. Willow is sort of catching Xander and Anya up on, <laughs> you know, what happened and, in the previous And episode. the viewers. <laughs> <laughs> and the viewers, yes. Convenient exposition info dump. Um on what is sort of happening with them. Um, right. And uh, so they've sort of fled, right? Because they know where their Buffy and everyone knows where their sort of headquarters is now. So apparently Buffy went to try and, like, confront them. Um, but they had, you know, uh, packed up some stuff. It sounds like they left some of their, you know, memorabilia behind and everything. <coughs> um but uh, she at least attempted to sort of, I don't know, confront them in some way, and, and they gave her the slip. So they're still out there mm-hmm. um, at large. Um, yeah. I don't know. Anything else about them that you wanted to mention? No. I mean, just, yeah, I just the fact that we get <clears throat> a little bit, you know, about Buffy and, you know, that... Uh, you know, her attempt to sort of track them down, but mm-hmm. yeah, no, just they're out there still. So, uh, I, I do like, we get, you know, we get Xander sort of his commentary on, you know, <coughs> well, Warren, obviously like I can see him as a bad guy, but I thought Jonathan learned his lesson. And then like the continued, like, you know, gag of nobody really knows who Andrew who is. Yeah. I don't even know that other guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is kind of funny. Right, right, and and kind of saying the same things as us of like, Warren's supervillain right. makes total sense. Jonathan, 
come on, Jonathan. Like, when are you going to learn? Like, you know Like, how many times this, yeah. do you have to learn this lesson? How, and then how many times in, like, season guy. one were you, like, saved from being, yeah. you know, whatever, eaten or killed or whatever? <laughs> yeah. Or both. Um, um, yeah. So, yeah, funny to kind of hear them have the same exact sort of conversation that that you're having at home. Um, okay. So, the real situation in this episode um, being Buffy's need for a job, um, which we've known that she has needed a job for a little while, but it hasn't really gone anywhere. Um, sure. And as you mentioned, I think before we started recording that it is kind of just assumed at this point that college is sort of not going to happen. Like she doesn't seem to be interested or have the time or the ability to go back to it. So, you know, there's this need to sort of make money to, you know, support. I was going to say the family, but to support everybody really. (coughs) It is a little frustrating that Buffy has the weight of the world on her shoulders and also has to be the financial support. Um, Yeah. uh, Right. I mean... that that is their situation. Right. I mean, you don't really expect Dawn to be, right? Right. Unless she's still in high school. No, that's true. And for what it's worth, Willow is in college, too. So, like... Right. Right. You know, that is... An right. aspect of so it. So who else is there, really? Um, yeah. But, and, and that is kind of, so to jump ahead slightly to the conversation that uh, that Dawn has later about the, the realization hitting her that um, kind of dead end or just sort of, you know, minimum wage, you know, sort of clock in, clock out type jobs are really all that Buffy can commit to. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, either because she doesn't have the time to do something more or doesn't have, you know, the time to go become qualified to do something else. Like she can't go right. back to school or train for anything. So she has to have, you know, the type of job she gets, which is, you know, you know, the, the fast food service. Um, mm-hmm. And just this kind of dawning realization that um, that's really all she can look forward to, whereas Dawn still uh, has her sort of, as Lee put it, her bright, shiny future ahead of her. Um, And, you know, and that being one of the suggestions being that Xander makes is, well, maybe you'll support her, Um, which Dawn doesn't seem to thrilled about that prospect but that is one option is okay and and the irony there of well that's what buffy's doing right like that you know right but that's the thing buffy's the older (coughs) sister so like right it's kind of expected of her whereas dawn at least at this point you know as a what 14 15 year old or whatever like right doesn't really see that possibility right well, and we mentioned that before of like, okay, Giles is gone now, but that seems to really be the ideal watcher slayer relationship is 
you know, you have someone there for support, right. not just training, but potentially financial support too. Right. Um, that like, if you're going to be a lifelong slayer, then you have somebody who, you know, maybe gets money from the Watchers Council, which allows you to exist so that you can do this job. Um, and that's not something that Buffy has at the moment. Mm-hmm. <coughs> so she has to go out and get something. So she gets, as she says, like just the easiest, quickest, what will, what's the shortest possible distance between money and my pocket? Um, and it's, you know, the double meat palace, which is sort of the Sunnydale equivalent of, you know, Burger King or McDonald's or whatever. Right. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah. So wanted to kind of talk about the, the double meat palace and it's the double meat experience. Um, so you get like, it's, it's really just kind of a satire of, you know, what it's like to work in fast food, you know, just like the episode where Buffy tried to work for Anya at the magic store sort of played on the idea of like retail. Um, I feel like this is kind of doing something similar of, you know, (coughs) excuse me, Buffy having to watch like the really disgusting training video that makes you like never want to eat food ever again. Right. Um, but then now you have to go out and sell to customers and they want you to eat it yourself and try it and be proud of it. And you're just like completely and like, this is you, you, the, once you know, the behind the scenes, it like ruins it for you. Well, not only that, but then you also see like her sitting there, at the lunch at lunchtime, like eating it because right. she she's there to make money and she gets a free meal. So right. of course she's going to save her money and eat the free meal, right? Despite all of that, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. So you're kind of disgusted by what the job entails, but you know not so much that you won't be a part of it. You know, because that's what having the job means is that you're kind of involved in you know (coughs) excuse me so whether you eat it or not you're sort of already part of the double meat experience anyway um you know so and then you know you get the the kind of uh weird people that inhabit these sorts of places um so there's the one guy gary who's kind of normal right right? who like seems kind of like Buffy like you know maybe this is a a temporary thing or he's a college student or whatever it is this is just a thing he's gonna do you know for a little while and then he'll move on he doesn't take it very seriously like he kind of says like even a cocker spaniel could use the register and you know he like kind of jokes around and everything whereas the rest of them are all these what they call the lifers. Um, yeah. And they, they don't take it seriously in the sense that nobody really takes it seriously, except for maybe Manny. Um, but they also don't have that kind of, uh, kind of joking attitude that like Gary and Buffy do. Like they take it seriously in the sense that like, 
they just seem totally sapped of all life. Right. Um, and are just sort of staring into space, completely dazed, don't really seem to have a life outside of this job. Um, <coughs> um, and then you get, um, and then you get Manny, who does take it more seriously on another level of, you know, maybe in 10 years you'll, you'll be yeah. where I am and this is what to shoot for. And, you know, uh, doesn't really want to hear any jokes, doesn't want, you know, her to do like, just do everything exactly by the book and kind of, you know, and the way he kind of says, you'll be here in 10 years as if this is this lofty thing to sort of right. aspire to. Um, yeah. And then, uh, you know, Wiggly, we can't forget Wiggly is the sort of regular, <laughs> uh, you know, regular client who's in there every day who like, so I never worked fast food, but I did work in a, I in did. a cafe in Borders. <clears throat> and, um, you definitely had, you know, the people who, oh, yeah. you know, were there every day, got the same thing every day, um, you know, would just sort of come and that was their sort of place to hang out. Um, so that's a very kind of recognizable thing. Um, right. So, yeah, I'm yeah. not really sure what else to say about, like, <laughs> the job itself. And um, Yeah, and I don't know that, like, we need to dwell on it that much. But, yeah, no, I mean, I definitely... So, um, my experience with fast food, I worked at an Arby's <laughs> for less than two months while in college. Um, it was a... Not only was it an Arby's, but it was um, a mall food court Arby's. Mm. So... Which I feel like is even worse. Um, and I actually, I used to like Arby's like growing up, but it's one of those things where like now I like, I'll maybe have it, you know once every like five years, but like right. I, I pretty much never eat it anymore. Right. Um, but it's definitely like when I when I went in there, there you know, like the manager hired me or whatever, and then she left after like a week, mm-hmm. and a new manager came in. And was like, I want, I want a hundred percent turnover, you know, within a month or so. And I'm like, I literally just started here. He's like, yeah, I don't care. Like he just wanted his own people, his own, whatever that he hired, you know, with his own criteria, whatever. And so it, it just became one of those things of like, it doesn't even matter, you know, what you do. And, and there was definitely that attitude of like like there were the people who had been there a while but at the same time it's like he just wanted to get rid of everyone so it was like all right like i'm not gonna fight it so right it, like i've i probably learned everything i could learn from that job in about two weeks and so right. uh you know from there you just move on and then i <laughs> and then i went to work for wegmans and that was a much better job but um I mean, it was Stock Boy. It wasn't like it was incredibly better, but it was a sure. better company, <laughs> uh, certainly. But anyway, yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't like. I mean, I feel like 
it doesn't have to be just like fast food like you said like there could be like retail like similarities and and Mm -hmm. other stuff like every everyone has had at least one job that is just sort of like boring and pointless and mindless and and you know maybe not maybe not completely pointless like people (coughs) need, need to eat and buy things but you know there's it's not fulfilling in the same way maybe as other jobs but then there are people for whom it's perfectly fine like it's what they want and what they need and they're happy not doing whatever else or at least not unhappy doing right. <laughs> doing what they do you know what i mean like like so you like take the grill guy right like he seems perfectly fine despite the grease build up in his ear uh you know to right. sit there and and flip burgers and press buttons and like that's just what you needed to do and so he did it and got it done and then when buffy took over he apparently moved on to some other role within the organization uh you know <laughs> whatever so whatever the next step is yeah yeah so like i mean and and like yeah like where where it's not really promotion but like you know where you stand within the kitchen there whether it's behind the cashier you know the cash register or you know behind the grill or at the drive through window like like Buffy's warned, like don't even go over there. That that's like for the people who really know what they're doing, right? Like so, it's you might not get more money for it, but it's a recognition that you're, you know, you've been around longer and know what you're doing, you know, right. and that kind right. of thing. Um, you know, so there definitely is sort of a pecking order in right. that respect. Right. Um, yeah. Right. Well, and so to I, I want to jump slightly ahead to to Spike. Um, Sure. In his conversation, because he kind of touches on that, saying to her, like, 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 you're totally right. Like, this is a perfectly legitimate job. And, you know, people do jobs like this and and can be happy in them. And there's nothing wrong with that, mm-hmm. you know. But you do get in that scene with Spike, him speaking to the fact that that's not necessarily how Buffy feels. It's right. It's just that this is all she can really handle in terms mm-hmm. of the way her life is. Um, and, you know, so him kind of, you know, her kind of wanting to stick it out for the money really, um, is really her only motivation. Um, and Spike trying to persuade her to just walk out. Um, like he even offers to get her money. Um, right in whatever kind of nefarious ways he has, he can go, you know, play for some as long as or you something. Don't ask where it comes from. <laughs> yeah. He can go, uh, you know, uh, gamble some more kittens. Um, <laughs> but just the fact that like, but then how do you, you know, convert the kittens to money? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know what the exchange rate is, but, um, you know, so this ongoing, Tension with Spike, but him, you know, as much as they're in conflict with each other, you know, you also are getting this, you know, continuing relationship aspect. And so that you have him, like, 
kind of teasing her, but also kind of saying, seriously, what are you doing here? Get out and I'll help you. Um, which she doesn't take. Um, but the fact that he sort of offers is interesting. Um, now they are still, you know, getting together in the alleyway on her break. So it's not like they're not having any contact at all. Um, but she's not, but even that's sort of like dead eyed and, you know, (coughs) right. It seems like there's not, there's certainly no, like this isn't the house shattering, demolishing sex that they had. Right. 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 You know, the first time around, like this is like, right. All right. Whatever. I need something to break up the boredom of the day. Right. You know, like exactly. Yeah. Um, so before we kind of get to the final resolution of it, there's the kind of, I, I, I don't want this to come out wrong or to make this sound like a bad thing, but there is like the obligatory kind of mystery of the week. And the fact yeah, that like, of sure. course, we're going to end up investigating the horrors in the grinder of the double meat palace. And, <coughs> and I mean, I do like the fact that it's so obvious that it's people that it can't be that right. So like they lead you down for the whole episode about, you know, as soon as she gets a job in the fast food burger place, that it's people. They spend 35 out of 42 minutes setting up the Soylent Green joke. Right. Like is basically what it boils down to. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, Right. Exactly. So, you know, there is a nice kind of, subversion there of that it turns out to be veggie you know um and that's the kind of deep dark secret that if people knew it they wouldn't come here anymore um right well (laughs) but it's veggie you know uh flavored with rendered beef fat so it's like there's still meat there right it's like what right yeah right so you know kind of a bizarre little you know Twists. I mean, at least they don't just make it people, you know, because again, it is like from the first 30 seconds, it's obvious that it's people. Um, right. Sure. So uh, people are disappearing. <laughs> right. Hmm. And it, like and it, the jokes just get more and more obvious as it goes on of like, where is he? Boom. Here's your meat. You know, like they slap it on the table like, you know, so that it's kind of Jane Espenson having fun with setting you up for something that she's not planning on paying off. Um, (coughs) But, I mean, you do still have disappearing people, and it still turns out to be, you know, a demon. You know, so it's not like... It still does the kind of normal, you know, Buffy thing. It's just, it's the old lady. It's the, you know, the cherry pie-eating, you know, harmless old lady. Makes you wonder what is in the cherry pie. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, and there's some fun stuff in there, too, with, you know, Xander, you know, eating, <laughs> right. of, eating all Of the course people. Xander's the one to eat the evidence, right? Like, <coughs> as the body. Like, right. He's, right. he's obviously going, like, why wouldn't he? Right, right. Well, and his thing about, like, 
just that he eats it without even knowing what it is or why it's there. Like, it's just, you put food in front of him and he'll eat it. Like, you know, yeah. so his thing of like, well, you came in, you gave me a burger. I didn't know. Like, you know, so by the time she's finished the story, it's gone. Um, yeah. So. <clears throat> Some funny stuff, but okay. Maybe we don't need to sort of linger on it. Um, so the, no. the resolution being that she stays, which is kind of the most interesting part is I think mm. it's set up to be, and I was expecting it to be a kind of situation of the week, which it is. But the fact that right, it's and not then maybe just, like next week she'll go. It's over somewhere and then it's done. Find, yeah. Right, but no, the fact that she, you know, once they figure out that it's not people, you know, she can stay um, and gets, you know, permission to do that. Um, and but like you said, the kind of. She's happy to have it, but also kind of depressed, too. That, like, yeah. you know, which is just everybody's work experience. It's like, oh, I'm so grateful to have it, but that means I have to go, you know? And, like, it doesn't make it, even if you're grateful for the work, um, it doesn't change how she feels about the work itself. And, mm. you know, and her own sort of lackluster prospects for the future. Right. <laughs> um, and the new lady is kind of more, uh, you know, normal seeming than Manny was. But that doesn't mean that her kind of saying shoot for the five year pin is any more enticing, really. Um, right. She's still saying the same thing that Manny did, which is like, oh boy, you know, in five years you could be where I am. Um, so. Yeah. Which is um, still kind of not that exciting. Right. So just to to bring up the female manager at the end, um, I don't. Did you ever watch the show Psych? No. Um, she's she plays a <laughs> big part in that. She's, I mean, was I think pretty much. All except maybe the last season of the show. Um, she played, um, you know, the, the police chief, actually, on that show. So kind of a uh, okay. interesting thing. But that was after this episode. Anyway, very, very recognizable if you've seen Psych. Otherwise, I don't know what else she may have been in. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. uh, Kirsten Nelson is the actress's name. Hmm. Kirsten or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, I you know, plot wise, <coughs> the the sort of a plot of like the Double Meat Palace and stuff, like you know, it is it is a bit of knowing that it's a Jane Espenson episode. Like, I feel like there there was more. Like, not that there's no humor in it. There is certainly. But, like, it doesn't feel like they capitalized maybe quite as much as as she could have um, sure. in some in some of this. Um, sure. It's it's more sort of surreal than humorous, I guess, in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, resolution being that Willow is the one 
who kills the demon um, mm-hmm. and does it non-magically. Mm-hmm. So that's good, especially considering what sort of happens <laughs> with her in the episode. Right. Um, uh, so, yeah, do you want to talk about, like, the other Scoobies here real quick? And Yeah, sure. I don't know that we, like, if if we come in under two hours, I think we'll be, that'll be okay. Yeah. Um, it's always okay. So, Xander and Anya, um, are still planning their wedding, um, and, uh, Anya complains out loud about Willow's lack of health, (laughs) um, after, it it was sort of implied that Willow would help when she threw them a party, so, but she's not really held up that end of the deal. (laughs) (coughs) And Anya says, people are so sensitive, um, to her pointing these things out, um, so yeah, anyway, they're still planning and uh Halfreck, her old you know, vengeance demon buddy, turns up to wreak <laughs> vengeance on Xander, not realizing that she was invited, you know, to the wedding. Um so and that's that's a great that's a I, great scene when they recognize each other. Yeah. And you know just the way Halfreck says, How are you? How are you? It's like, oh my god, I've been that girl, you know, like this is how, <laughs> you know, you hug each other and like, oh my God, I've seen you forever. That kind of thing. Um, yeah. But sure. with, but with the addition of her kind of crazy, veiny, like demon, you know, makeup and everything. Right. Um, right. Is, uh, is pretty funny. Yeah. Which Xander <laughs> is not a big fan of. No, no. Um, no, and you know Xander kind of, in his way, makes it known the things that he's not a fan of, which is what Halfreck is sort of picking yeah. up on and pointing out to Anya is his his tendency to criticize. Um, you know the fact that you know Anya kind of says how patient he is. You know, like oh, how nice of him that he is kind enough to point out to me when I misstep you know and like he's he's providing this service this loving service to her um but Halfreck makes it sound like this constant nagging and correcting of you know he doesn't really like you for how you are he's trying to you know point out all your flaws and change you into somebody else who told you that you're hard to like (laughs) (laughs) right right and and there's also like how Anya explains what Xander does. <laughs> um, oh, I forget the exact wording. I don't. I think I wrote it down. But just like the right, uh, it's incorrect for you to appreciate money so much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's incorrect. It's like no, nobody would say that. Like right, not right. certainly in that way in that using that diction like no it's the lot it's the Anya very literal interpretation of Xander it, it is Xander's gentle hints and nudges um go through the filter of Anya um observe this is how a real woman would behave <laughs> right exactly <laughs> which again it there's truth in there but it's not the real truth because yes Xander does correct her when she when she 
oversteps in sort of social situations. But he he's not saying she's not a real woman. Um, you know, and so there's a kind of, there's a half-truth there, maybe. Um, so, you know. Yeah. Well, um, and, and it's also that, <laughs> that thing that Alfred does of, like, you know, well, what do you think? Or or just, like, the non-covenantal, like, She's like, hmm. hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know, and sort of letting Anya draw her own conclusions. Um, right. Or, you know draw the conclusions that Halfrick wants her to draw, but without actually stating them herself. It seems. Right. Um, right. And, yeah, the question becomes, like, like why? Like, what does, you know, the, it's like the thing of where, like, okay, you've been seeing someone for a while, and now, you know, you have to take them to meet your family and friends, and... Like, is is it just that, like, she's being critical because she doesn't know Xander yet? Or is there legitimately something that she sees right. troublesome in this relationship? Right. Um, or is it her vengeance demon perspective? Of, right. You know? Like, right. Maybe she's just jaded as a, as a vengeance demon. Right. Right. So, yeah. And, and it does, for better or worse, it does kind of influence Anya, you know? who points out Xander's uh, strangely large upper upper arms and his tendency to criticize. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Halfrag's kind of pointed out some of these sort of less flattering aspects that Anya hadn't really uh, noticed before or really been bothered by. Right. Or considered them in a different light. Like right. not that she hasn't noticed that Xander maybe corrects her or whatever, but she doesn't see it as like a bad thing. Right. Right. Um, so yeah. Um So yeah, I I mean there's not a lot more there. <laughs> we we will see how frick again. Like I won't say where or when or hmm. in you know what capacity, but um yeah certainly introducing her here cool um so willow yeah uh who uh gets a surprise visit from amy Mm -hmm. who kind of comes over to pick up the cage but kind of just to pick something up you kind of get that idea of like she really you know she found an excuse kind of kind of to stop over and visit um yeah right like you don't get the sense that there's that the cage really necessarily means that much to her right it's more to see what willow's up to and maybe cause a little mayhem right um which she does because she sort sort of shoots a spell at willow that's full of magic um and uh we kind of don't really see too much of like how it affects Willow, but we see her eyes kind of do the all black thing again. Yeah. Um, and then we see that she's kind of just shaky and jittery. And, um, you know, when she picks up the pencil, it sort of flops yeah. around. So you get the idea that she's sort of just has, she's just going to turn anything she touches magical because it's just sort of pouring out, out of her. So it's not something she can control. Um, 
you know, and then of course in the, she says later to Amy, like in the kind of junky way, like that makes it every time she does it, it's harder to quit. So, you know, it's not like something she can just sort of shake off. Right. Um, um, so yeah, and I, I like her complaint about, um, about, uh, science and how slow it is. Um, yeah, no, she gets real, sorry. Even the fact that she says, I'll use science, I'll analyze it with science. That made me laugh. Right. Um, yeah, she gets real annoyed about the slowness of not using magic, uh, which is like, I mean, if we if we take that to like the analogy of like the internet and all of that, mm-hmm. like, yeah, you know, doing I I, I mean, I happen to like books and <laughs> reading, and I like you know, going to libraries and looking things up. Um, and like, you know, academic libraries, not even just like local mm-hmm. public libraries or whatever, but like, I, I don't necessarily mind like pouring through or browsing through the stacks or whatever, but like, I can imagine like when I go every now and then to like the, the, local university library here mm-hmm. and I'm in there and then there's like all the students who are like, you know, normal undergraduate student age. And like, they're all on their laptops and computers and stuff. And it's like, I'm, I'm there to be there because not, not for like the internet access. Cause I can get internet access <coughs> anywhere. Right? right. I'm there because there are actually books here that I want to look up and take down off the shelves and read. And I don't, think like i ever see like anyone else there with like an actual book <laughs> and it's just so bizarre like that mm-hmm. you know they don't do that to me but like on the other hand like trying to think about it from their perspective it's like why would you ever crack a book when everything you could ever need is online and that's not true but that's mm-hmm. their perspective of you know that so i, I kind of get that same sense like with willow here of like Right. You know, why would anyone ever want to do it this way if you could, you know, <coughs> use magic right. instead? Right. Right. Once you've flown first class, it's harder to sort of go back. Mm. That um, I wouldn't know. You fly, fly a lot of first class here, Ken? I, I wouldn't either. No, I'm thinking of Seinfeld. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. <coughs> this is how I know that once you've done first class, you, you can't you can't go back to coach. Um, Fair enough. Not having flown it myself. Um, so, yeah. So she uh, kicks Amy out, basically. She mm-hmm. unfriends her, you know? Um, right. <laughs> and uh, and gives her a little threat there, too. A little warning. Yep, yep. If you're my friend, stay away. If you're not my friend, stay away. Um or you won't like what will happen is sort of the implication. Um, so yeah. Um, and Amy goes, so we'll have to see if she sort of, uh, abides by that ultimatum. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, at least like, so we see, I think some development in Willow that she's able to sort of do that, you know, like cut off, 
a friendship, which was starting to kind of mean something to her. Um, you know, uh, mm -hmm. and that's not easy. And then the fact that she tells, I mean, she kind of hides it for a while, but that she does tell Buffy, you know, so you right. see her not just totally feel like she has right. to do it in isolation, but try to say, Hey, this thing happened and I need help. Um, you know, I feel like I need it and I need someone to help me through it. Um, right. which she wouldn't, Definitely. she obviously wasn't doing that, you know, even a couple episodes ago. Right. Right. So there's progress. <laughs> right. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so we'll have to see if Amy sort of continues to, uh, try to kind of drag her down and cause mischief, um. Yeah, and it's funny, too, because, like, Amy sort of throws the whole rat thing in her face. But, like, on the other hand, like, Willow didn't turn Amy into a rat in the first right. place. And, like... Right, and she did try to turn her back. Right, it's not like she did... There's <laughs> There was even that, was it season four sometime, where, like, she momentarily does turn her back, and then, like, you know... Right. It's, so for, like, a second, yeah. So, like... Yeah, it's not like for lack of trying, it's just she didn't know how, and then she finally figured out how. So, right. yeah, you know, she kind of throws that in her face, like, oh, you know, it, it must, I must have changed when I was, you know, busy not being turned back into a human or whatever. <coughs> and it's like, yeah, that's a little unfair, but, you know, Amy's clearly not looking to play fair at this point. Like, she's bitter and you know, seems mm -hmm. maybe, maybe her intent isn't to like get back at Willow per se, but when Willow sort of rejects her, it's like that sort of jilted lover response, you know, of like, mm -hmm. fine, then I'll ruin you if I can't have mm -hmm. you. <laughs> right. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, cool. overall, like I don't, I don't know that this, like, there's some interesting introductions, I think, more in the Scoobies than with Buffy, per se. Although, mm -hmm. now we do have Buffy sort of ongoing at the Double Meat Palace. So, you know, right. we'll get references to that here and there. But, um, yeah, yeah, more, I think, some setup for, for other stuff uh, in the future. But we'll have to wait a couple weeks because we have Angel next week. Right. So, uh, yeah. All right. See you then. Mm -hmm.